Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Today, it is Wisdom Wednesday. It could also be Witness Wednesday or Winsome Wednesday, but it's going to be it's going to be Wisdom Wednesday. So there you go. It's Wisdom Wednesday if you're looking for a hashtag today. Uh, so the word of the day is wisdom. There are at least three books in the Old Testament collectively referred to as the wisdom literature. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. There are certainly there is certainly wisdom literature in the Bible um, outside of these three books, but these are the books collectively known as the wisdom literature. Uh, you and I both know life is complicated. It's full of really hard decisions, uh, lots of stuff that we have a hard time understanding, certainly explaining. But God is gracious, and God has given us the guidance of His Holy Spirit, uh, and He has given us His Word. Like, how cool is that that we have God's Word? Like, you've got God's Word on this. You have God's Word on the subject or the topic of wisdom. So let me encourage you to explore the wisdom literature if you're looking for a place to be on this Wisdom Wednesday. If you want to know how to live well, a life pleasing to God, a life of unassailable joy, if you want wisdom, not just the worldly wide ways of the loudest voices out there today in the marketplace of ideas. Let me encourage you to spend some time today reading some wisdom literature. Here is a verse to get you started. Proverbs 4, actually two verses, 6 and 7. Proverbs 4, 6 and 7. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost all you have. Get understanding. Uh, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, great wisdom literature to turn to, also great texts about wisdom in Paul's letters, uh, particularly 1 Corinthians and Colossians. James has a lot to say about wisdom, and of course, Jesus in uh, in his teaching on wisdom in Matthew chapter 7 uh, in terms of where we build our life. Get thee some wisdom today. Turn to the wisdom literature of the Word of God. As we seek the wisdom of God today, let us live as uh, people who, um, that's what we want to eat Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about feasting on wisdom. We're going to talk about the wisdom pyramid next with Brett McCracken. We'll be right back. to have back with us today, Brett McCracken. You know him from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, He's joining us today with a brand new book. It's called Wisdom Pyramid. Um, What a great, um, what a great way of of looking at wisdom. Brett, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I mean, back, Carmen. So when we talk about, um, when we talk about wisdom, you actually open with a couple of verses from um, the book of Proverbs, and I'm just going to read a couple of those from 
Proverbs cha- uh, chapter 1, verses 20 um, and through 22. Let's do that. Wisdom cries aloud in the street in the markets. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? A uh, lot of... Um, a lot of scoffing, a lot of folly mm-hmm. in the world today, not a lot of wisdom. Yeah, and, and the noisy street of that passage is so so much our experience, I think, in today's frenetic digital age. We're, we're so inundated with noise and voices calling out you know, at us from every direction when we open our devices or go online. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of first line of my book, kind of one of the, one of the key ideas is – we're living in a world with more and more information, but less and less wisdom. So in this digital age where there's never been, we've never had more access to knowledge and information, literally any question you could have about anything is just a few clicks away on Google. And yet we're not getting wiser. And I don't think anyone would look around at humanity and the news and everything that's happening and say, yeah, we're, we're getting wiser as a society. I think it's the opposite. And so that's kind of why I wrote this book. How do we navigate this overwhelming digital age uh, where there's no lack of information, but there does seem to be a lack of wisdom. So where do we look for that? How do we cultivate that? And um, how do we, yeah, build a diet around that? So, um, so Brett, when you talk about uh, a diet of information, part of uh, the language that you use in here, which I just thought was really, really good, um, is epistemological foolishness. So remind people what epistemology is what mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. epistemological, epistemological foolishness is, um, and then yeah. talk about this concept of a better diet. Yeah, so epistemology is this, the big word for just knowledge, like how we know things, how, how we can be certain about things. It's kind of the philosophical study of that idea. So I, I argue in the book that we're kind of in this epistemological crisis, basically, where we don't, as a society, um, as, you know, we don't know what's true anymore. They're literally like Oxford English Dictionary's word of the year a couple of years ago was post-truth. So there's this recognition, I think, in, in the broader society that we've lost our grip on truth. You know, Time Magazine had a cover story a couple of years ago, is truth dead? Question mark. So that's that's what this epistemological crisis is all about. If we don't if we don't have a grasp on truth, if we don't know what's certain anymore, um, how do we know anything? How how can we come to consensus, agreement on anything? And I think we're seeing the effects of this in all of the debates in our culture that we're kind of at this impasse where we don't we can't make progress on these dis- discussions and debates because everyone's coming at it with their own set of facts and their own kind of preferred reality. And if if there's no agreement on truth, then we can't really come to any sort of progress on anything. Okay. So that issue of autonomy, that issue of, um, I have my own set of facts that I'm operating out of. I'm pretty certain that my, my facts are right. And, um, and they come into, you know, direct conflict with the set of facts that you show up with. Um, but the, the culture is moving so fast and the pace of information is, so mm-hmm. rapid. Um, I'm not even certain that, you know, you and I could talk about something that happened yesterday because the facts of the matter may have changed since then yeah. uh, in terms of the information available. Talk about the three sources yeah. of our sickness that sort of lead to this, I don't know, total vertigo. Yeah. 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 
Well, you, you just mentioned two of them. So the 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 one is kind of the the self-focus, the the me orientation of the digital world where everything revolves around the individual consumer. So each person can kind of curate their own reality based on the voices that they like and the voices they don't like and the news sources that they like and the news sources that they, you know, deem to be fake news or biased. So everyone's got their own little island of reality. That's that's w- one big problem. The other one you mentioned is the speed, the the fast breakneck pace of the digital age, which is so not conducive to wisdom. We're 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 so quick to, you know, retweet something that we see or share something that we we see and rarely do we take the time to actually investigate it, to look look into the credibility of the source, to to pause for just a second to to ask ourselves, is this really wise to to be sharing this? And so the speed of the digital age is wreaking havoc on epistemology because, you know, conspiracy theories are going viral. Like even even stories that are mostly true but have a little bit of, you know, uh, not true facts or spin to it, those go viral. And, And so all of this is just contributing to this crisis of truth. And then the third one that I talk about as a source of sickness is the the glut the too much information problem. So just like you get sick physically when you eat too much food, I think the same is true of information. And never have we lived in a time in human history where we're so inundated with information. Our brains are literally overwhelmed. They're losing the ability to think critically. And there's science, neuroscience, that's actually showing this to be true in the digital age. Our, our brains are exerting so much of their energy, just trying to kind of triage throughout the day to figure out, okay, all of this, all this simulation coming at me, like, what should I pay attention to? What can I discard? And it leaves no energy left to actually do the deep kind of reflective thinking that you need in order to be wise. So that's a huge problem, right? <laughs> if we no longer have the physical ability with our brains to think critically and evaluate information well, then we're doomed because we're going to be subject to, you know, just anything that comes our way. We're not going to know whether it's true, false, and how to make the difference. So helping us sort through all that is Brett McCracken, his brand new book, The Wisdom Pyramids, really inspired by the concept of the food pyramid. So go ahead and visualize that. Brett and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, the the Wisdom Pyramid uh, ranked in order of importance, the Bible, the church, nature, books, beauty, and then lastly, the internet and social media. We'll be right back. No matter what we say, you are the breath of life. You are the only way. Give us wisdom. All right, picking up where we left off with uh, Brett McCracken. You can find him at the Gospel Coalition. We're talking today about his brand new book, The Wisdom Pyramid, Feeding Your Soul in a Post-Truth World. Brett, let's um, let's start with the, the big base of the pyramid, the big foundational level. Why start with the Bible and then take us up mm-hmm. the pyramid uh, from there? Yeah, I mean, the foundation of any wisdom diet has to be the Bible because this is the only infallible source, right? It, that's what we believe as Christians, that everything else in the world is subject to kind of the the biases and the fallibility of humans, but the Bible is God's inspired direct speech to us. And what a gift that is, right? The fact that we have it, that we have in our hands something that can be fully trusted 
something that is God's direct revelation to us, I think we take for granted, like as Christians, especially who've grown up with the Bible, just what a miracle it is that we have this wonderful source of truth. So as the foundation of the wisdom pyramid, it just, it's so crucial because not only does it provide this base level of, you know, building the rest of your diet, but it also has this kind of vertical scaffolding element that it keeps all the layers above it in in place. It, it acts as a check and balance to the truth that you might get out of some of these other sources that I'll talk about. Um, so yeah, I'll go up just briefly to, through the other categories. You can visualize the, this pyramid going from the bottom up. And one thing I'll say is um, the way that I ordered it was basically the most proximate to God, because if we believe wisdom is from God, if really he is wisdom incarnate, then it makes sense that the things that are closer to God are going to be better sources of wisdom for us. So his word is the most direct access we have to him. And then the church is the second most important category of the wisdom pyramid. That's God's presence among his people. So it makes sense that we can find a lot of wisdom there by being among God's people in community, plugged into the kind of weekly you know, rhythms of worship, um, and also plugged into the church throughout time. Church history, church tradition has so much wisdom uh, for us. And then uh, third up is nature. So this one sometimes people have questions about, but my thinking here is um, nature is God's creation. So it's proximate to God in that sense. You know, you just as you can know something about an artist by looking at their art, uh, we can know things about God by really being in his creation and, and studying it, you know, through science, by observing it, by just receiving it as the gift that it is. So get off your device, go outside, be in God's creation. I think there's a lot of uh, wisdom to be gained there. Uh, and then, then I have books, just as a general category, reading books. And what I'm getting at there is it's both, you know, the content of the books you read can be valuable for your wisdom, but really it's just the, the way that reading as a discipline, reading long form things like books trains our brains. So in a world where our brains, as I said earlier, are losing the ability to kind of think deeply and critically and, and kind of go slower Reading books helps retrain that that ability, which is so critical. So when you sit down with one author, one perspective, you know, one topic for a, a long period of time, that's going to be a great thing for for your ability to think well, to think critically. And then quickly, beauty is the next one up on the pyramid. So this is speaking to the fact that wisdom isn't just facts; it's not just cerebral. You know, t wisdom involves our, our, our emotions and our loves and our senses, uh, what we can taste and see and feel. Um, God created us as full-bodied creatures. We're not just brains on sticks. And, and God reveals himself, right, through beauty. The Bible isn't just a list of, you know, 5,000 bullet point prepositions. It's a, it's a story. It, it includes poetry and metaphor and all these beautiful forms. So if God chooses to value beauty and how he reveals himself, and of course, in what he created in, in nature, in creation, so beautiful, then we should also value, value beauty. And finally, at the top, in the, the kind of fats, oils, and sweets category, if you can remember, <laughs> if you can remember the food pyramid. Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I put the internet and social media. And that may seem jarring to people, especially when we you know, when we realize, oh, 
we've kind of flipped that. Like, if we're honest, we put the internet and social media kind of in that foundational spot. We, we build our, our daily diets usually around that. So I'm arguing that it's not that we shouldn't ever, you know, look to the internet or social media as a source of truth or nourishment. Um, I could have left it off the pyramid entirely, but I think it's important that we just put it in its proper place where it's not the staple of our diet, where it's something that we can visit every now and then, but it shouldn't be our like daily, all day, every day source, because that's where we're at now as a society. And it's making us crazy. It's making us sick. So yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Um, sorry, that was a lot of words. Very quick. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, you can totally visualize it as you're talking about mm-hmm. it. I mean, as you're talking about the, the foundational basis mm-hmm. of the scriptures being the base of the wisdom pyramid, um, you know, those of us who are mm-hmm. familiar with the food pyramid, which is frankly everybody, um, you know, right. like we can see that. We can see those graduated levels, and we know that we're supposed to have more of what's down there um, at mm-hmm. the at the base and less and less and less the closer to the top of the pyramid that we get. Um, I, I'm wondering, because you did, you, you made reference to this when you talked about the Bible and then when you talked about the church, like for Christians, that makes mm-hmm. real sense. Um, I'm yeah. wondering how, as Christians, we can we can sort of share the wisdom pyramid in a way mm-hmm. um, with our unbelieving neighbors that would still make sense to them because, you know, the worldly wise or the wisdom of the world yeah. is not going to find its foundation in those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I was thinking about as I wrote the book, you know, how are non-Christians going to receive this? Like when they see the Bible and the church as the most important categories, you know, they're going to be like, no, no, thank you. I'm moving on. But, you know, I do think this is a an idea, a concept that has potential for evangelism and outreach, because everyone is feeling this epistemological crisis. Every every believer, every non-believer, like it's a problem that we we don't have any solid foundations for truth. And sooner or later, you know, it, a non-believer is going to have to reckon with the fact that, like, how do I build my life on anything if there's no foundations, if there's no certainty? Um, and so being able to kind of start there as a conversation and say, look, this is, this is what Christianity offers, right? We actually have a foundation. We believe that God is, is wisdom. He provides infallible wisdom through his word. And so if you're feeling kind of aimless and wandering and, you know, not sure how to, how to know what's true, like Christianity is a gift to you. So I I feel like as, as much as initially it's kind of off-putting maybe for non-Christians to look at this, it's an invitation for them to consider like, well, if I don't, if I don't have faith, if I don't have something like Christianity, how do I, how do I know anything to be true? And the answer is you can't, right? <laughs> everything is subjective. Everything is arbitrary. Um, so that's what I would say. You know, I think this is a book that has some potential for um, evangelistic outreach. All right, Brett McCracken, you can follow him uh, on Twitter at Brett McCracken. You can find him at the Gospel Coalition, where he serves as a senior editor. We have been talking today about his brand new book, The Wisdom Pyramid, Feeding Your Soul in a Post-Truth World. Um, Brett, I got to tell you that um, it's it's helpful to have um, a visual uh, key or tool mm-hmm. to use in evaluating my own wisdom diet, yeah. 
Um, and in conversations, let's say, with my teenagers about theirs, like, right, this is yeah. really providing us something, um, a substantial tool against which we can evaluate what we're consuming now um, that's resulting yeah. in feeling very anemic and and out of control oftentimes um, and out of balance and gives us a tool to really um, – re-engage the wisdom of yep. God and become people who operate out of that space and place, even in a world that is, um, gone a little bit mad. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, the visual, the visual of the wisdom pyramid, I have it on my phone. Like I have mm, it as my I phone. Love that. I have it as my phone lock screen. So I wrote the book, you know, largely for myself, just to remind myself, like, you know, I live in a digital world. I work for a website. So this is kind of my daily existence is, the internet and social media. So for my own health, for my own sanity, like I need to remind myself, okay, what are the, what are the more nourishing sources of truth that I can build my life around? And so that's why I wrote the book, just to be kind of a, a reminder to people like th- this is what you should orient your life around. If you want to be healthy, if you want to be wise, and it's not, it's not super prescriptive. I'm not saying like you have to have five servings of this category and three servings of this category. And it's not formulaic like that. It's just a general kind of rubric that I hope will be helpful for folks. All right. And uh, Brett has developed some more resources related to this. There's a Wisdom 40 Challenge. There's a Wisdom Pyramid Playlist, all of which you can find at (laughs) brettmccracken.com. Brett, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Carmen. It's a pleasure. We'll be right back. All right, by the way, we do have copies of the Wisdom Pyramid to give away today. So if you'd like to enter the drawing for a copy of Brett McCracken's The Wisdom Pyramid, uh, Feeding feeding Our Souls in a Post-Truth World, uh, go ahead and text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. I think I forgot to say that when I was talking with him. Okay, um, next up. We've got some international headlines. Ruth Kramer is going to be back. We're going to survey some things going on around the world. One international headline that caught my attention um, this morning is actually something that is uh, going to happen later today on the president's schedule. President Biden is going to call uh, the king of Saudi Arabia because there is a damning report that's going to be released today. An intelligence report about the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, and you will um, remember the events surrounding his horrific death. Um, and that report's going to be released today. And so it is our understanding the President of the United States is going to call the Saudi king in, uh, in anticipation of the release of that report. And so there's a little headline news for you on the human dignity life front. All right, next up, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We'll be right back. There's an enormous wave of disconnectedness sweeping across our culture, especially affecting our teens. And the sense of not being connected is having a dramatic impact on relationships. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. You're probably thinking, yeah, but my teen is connecting with people all the time. Texting, tweeting, posting on Facebook are actually hindering real connection. It's impersonal, erratic, alienating, but you and I can't fix the culture. What you can do is take steps to ensure they have at least one meaningful relationship with you. 
Spend time together face-to-face. Share your own struggles. Ask thoughtful questions. They're all good steps to connecting with your team. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. To boldly go where no one has gone before. All right, joining me now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything that we're going to be talking about today at missionnews.org. Ruth, welcome back. Good morning. How are you? Well, I I am well. I trust you are well as well. Yes, uh, you know it's it's we're on the other side of the deep freeze that was mm-hmm. uh, so much of us. Uh, Forty degrees yesterday, shirt sleeves weather and shorts. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's bananas, right? Okay, so yeah. um, let's talk about what's going on in the Central African Republic. This is the lead today at missionnews.org. Yeah, well, let's start with first where Central African Republic is. Uh, It's a landlocked country that is bordered by Chad and Sudan to the north, South Sudan to the east, the Democratic Republic of Congo to the south, the Congo and Cameroon uh, to the west. So this is a completely landlocked country. It's known for its resources. Um, It's got uh, really valuable resources in the country, but it's also been unstable since 1960. And the partners we've been speaking with about the conflict that is there basically say that Central African Republic is well on its way to becoming a failed state. Um, You've had a number of rebel bands that have been uh, wresting power from the government, and the government's been largely unsuccessful in uh, in dealing with them. So you've had a lot of different situations that are coming uh, coming across the border from militant groups that are uh, existing in those areas. And you've got the instability within the country itself that has led to uh, so many of the difficulties. I mean, right now, when you're looking at uh, the situation for the future of the Central African Republic uh, because of the conflict that's going on, because of its uh, inability to protect the territory and its peoples. Um, you're, you're looking at a situation where the UN Human, uh, Human Development Index uh, rates different countries. And out of 189 countries, the CAR is rated at 188. So it is well on its way to becoming a failed state. It's not quite there yet because they're just barely hanging on. Many of the surrounding countries are very concerned about what's happening, so they're trying to send in help. And you're seeing that over and over again where you have uh, different ministers from different governments coming in to try to help the CAR figure out how to solve the problem. Right now, it's it's so bad with the resources uh, being cut off from people who need humanitarian aid. Eighty percent of the country – is is outside of the control of the government. And probably half right now are in need of humanitarian aid just to survive into the next day. So it is a situation that is critical. And according to our friends from World Mission, it is really underreported because I guarantee when you talk about the crises that are in Africa, the Central African Republic is not going to be on the top uh, top two or three. Um, so this is a situation where it's very difficult. Ministries that are there are having a hard time getting moving around because of the militias and the and the moving bands that are that are out there. Um, so they are relying on 
the church networks that are already in place to be able to get what they need. Uh, and it's a little bit easier to do that way. But World Mission is one of our organizations that uh, has that in place. And so they're able to see uh, some things that are getting to people that, that need the critical resources. And they're still saying it it is a, a huge challenge. So they're asking us to pray because um, this is a situation that is forecasted just to get worse. Um, now you've got northern countries with an Islamic agenda that are coming across the border. Because it's so lawless in Central African Republic, they're finding a breeding ground. So it is a huge challenge for the body of Christ there. And they're just asking us to be praying and to come alongside some of the organizations that are boots on the ground. When we think about um, uh, the f- 54 or so, like, right, countries, nations that comprise the continent of Africa, you know, the reality, Ruth, is there's just a lot of Americans who just think of Africa as monolithic um, or um, regions, like, right, maybe we have a sense that Africa has uh, a Western region and a Southern region and and East Africa, or we know that there's some of Africa that's, you know, called the horn, but we don't really know what that means. I mean, I I have to tell you, there's the geography, um, the geographical understanding of people here who really understand not only um, the history of how the borders of these countries were were created and have been have been moved around by people who are not African. Um, Mm -hmm. is a part of this conversation. I mean, like, right, all the lines got redrawn basically in in 1914, and many, 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 many borders and boundaries have changed since then. So when we talk about a failed state, you know, somewhere on the continent of Africa, um, this is not a story that is unique um, to the uh, Central African Republic, nor is it unique to sort of this point in time. Right. And it's sad to see that that's the situation. Um, the, the tribalism that exists uh, is, is always plays a role in this, and it mm-hmm. plays a role in the history of everything that you see in this country. Um, you know, it, it's not just since 1960. It's not just since 2013 when the elections were held. Um, this has just been kind of an ongoing situation. And and you're right to, to point out the history because that plays a huge role in the formation of things. You've got, you know, Portugal, uh, Portugal that was holding colonies. Uh, you had the, the Spain, you had um, France and England and all of those different uh, empires that were trying to stake their claim in Africa and just rewrite the face of the the, the continent. And it, that still plays a huge role in what we're seeing in, in the in the politics, yes, but in the identity for so many of these countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, let's pivot and talk about what's happening in Nigeria. I'm talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can read all the headlines we're discussing at missionnews.org. We'll be right back. It's like the prize, sunrise, Some people listening are old enough to remember the Nigerian Civil War. Uh, Maybe you recall that uh, Biafra was a breakaway state um, supported from the outside by France, Israel, Portugal, and South Africa, which provided arms to Biafra. And um, 
then the nation of Nigeria um, entered into a war with its own people. That's uh, that'd be May 30th, 1967. Like some of this history, Ruth, is really not that old. Um, I mean, it's, if, it's when, if it's within um, our lifetimes, we think of it as really not that long ago. Talk with us about what's happening today in Nigeria. Well, the reason we're talking about Nigeria is uh, not only because of the instability, but because it seems like Christians are really in the crosshairs uh, mm-hmm. from all of the different groups that are fighting for control. Um, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has actually released yet another report on the violations committed by the violent Islamist groups in northern Nigeria. So we're speaking of um, uh, the Boko Haram there, but it's not just Boko Haram. Boko Haram is more the ideology and the political movement that's trying to change the face of Nigeria. You've also got a group called the Fulani Herdsmen, and uh, they are fighting for resources. So I, I think what you would say is like Boko Haram has the bigger uh, goal because they want to establish a caliphate, be in charge of that, and uh, basically rule the world until you bring it to its end. Um and the Fulani herdsmen are fighting for dominance for resources. Um, they are both violent. There may be some crossover in between. Um, but the Fulani herdsmen now have surpassed Boko Haram in their deadliness and, and who they're targeting. And the Christians have been caught on both sides, one side Boko Haram, the other side Fulani herdsmen, because they're in the middle. Um, and what we've seen lately is that the Fulani herdsmen have been attacking churches or Christians every Sunday so far in February. And and I would say it's not been every Sunday in 2021, but it's almost that way. Um, there were several attacks on Sundays in January as well. And the things that we're hearing from people on the ground is that they're expecting that to continue. So between Boko Haram and Fulani herdsmen, uh, churches are uh, really trying to beef up security. They're trying to be careful. Uh, because of the situation that they're facing, um, being one of the entities that both sides seem to want to eliminate for one reason or another, um, the things that we're seeing here, uh, though, the, the one of the part of the reason that we're discussing this today is not just the security threat or the the persecution of the body of Christ in Nigeria. It is a a niche group within that body. And those are the the deaf, the people who cannot hear, because uh, our partner Door International is saying that um, there are a lot of deaf people in Nigeria. And the issue with uh, being deaf is they are already marginalized in society. And most of the time, because they're marginalized in society, when people are talking about a security threat that's coming and they are aware of something like that, the deaf people don't know. In fact, uh, Rob Myers, who's heading up Door International, shared a story with us about a deaf Nigerian Christian who's helped by Door International um, and and basically told the story of a believer from the state of Yola who uh, didn't hear about the attack that was coming. The Christians all took off. They all ran away. And she, because she couldn't hear, she didn't know what was going on, wasn't aware of it, and found herself coming face-to-face with the terrorists that were attacking her area. Um, All she could do was, at that point, just lay on the ground and gesture that she couldn't hear. And usually they don't, you know, uh, offer much mercy uh, to to folks at all. But by God's grace, they did preserve her. They did spare her life. Um, She was one of the few that was very fortunate in that attack. Um, But Door International is basically saying— 
when we are looking at these these issues, these widespread issues that are attacking the body of Christ and how much pressure Christians are under in Nigeria, please remember that there are some in the marginalized part of the societies that um, don't have that ability to respond quickly to these kinds of threats. And Door International has been just trying to bring some awareness to the cause because they're trying to work with the body of Christ there to be a little bit more inclusive, to understand a little bit more, to um, help the church grow in that sense and understand what it is to partner with the deaf Nigerian believers. Um, so just continue to be praying there. They are working on their first ever chronological Bible translation in Nigerian Sign Language, which is a huge breakthrough. It's been disrupted because of all of these other situations with the security between the attacks with Boko Haram and the Fulani herdsmen. Uh, the Islamic State is present there. So this is a, a, a an area that seems like you've got a lot of dogs trying to go for the bone. And um, it's it's a difficult place. Pray wisdom for the church leaders there. Pray for open doors um, that this work continues to to progress. Um, as you might imagine, producing deaf uh, Bible translation uh, requires a place, a, a solitary place, a place where you're going to be able to be planted for a little while to be able to film different things for sign language. So being disrupted all the time just lengthens the project. And they what they really want to do is get the word of God into the hands of deaf believers or deaf deaf believers who will share it then. So many um so many people around the world suffering so greatly in so many ways. Um Ruth, we we just always appreciate all of the stories that um, you guys bring us at missionnews.org. Um, I want to encourage people to read the headline related to um, Eritrea and the Christians released from prison there. That is actually a country we prayed for in worship this past Sunday um, in the church that I attend. I want to encourage you guys to use the world watch list to pray through, you know, nations where people are being persecuted for their faith. Bring us up to date, um, Ruth, on what's happening in Myanmar. Well, you guys have been talking about Myanmar an awful lot anyway. Um, you know that the protests have not abated. Now you've got Indonesia sending its foreign minister in this week to try to talk some sense, to try to get the two sides to the table, to try to figure out how to um, get things to stabilize a little bit. Uh, it doesn't really look like it's going to be changing an awful lot uh, just because there's there's one side that's dug in its heels and the other side that says we're not going to let this go quietly. Um, and and it, it's to the point now where believers in Myanmar are very concerned about the potential of its uh, the collapse, the country's collapse. Um, local church leaders who are parting with Asian access are, are saying that. And um, they've been sending out warnings when they can. They're sending out prayer requests when they can, because obviously, if you've been following the situation, the government keeps cutting off uh, communications. They keep cutting off Internet access. They keep cutting off. Uh, or restricting social media. And so the partners with Asian Access are trying to find other workarounds to get information out of the country. But that's really what we're facing right now is kind of a total blackout that's coming out. And the stories that are getting out are coming out because people are being are, are braving the situation. Uh, it is really, really dangerous. It's very tumultuous right now. Um, and what we're hearing uh, right now from the, the last contact that we had uh, with this partner through Asian Access was over two days ago. And they have not heard anything since then because it's just it's not possible right now. 
Um, they're praying that uh, folks, be, uh, that the body of Christ, I should say, um, is is clear in communication. They're praying for communication channels in general to open. Ask God for gospel opportunities and for safety as believers are sharing their faith with people who are searching for hope. It's not like they're out, they're out there in the demonstrations, you know, with the, the evangelism explosion kind of model. They are living and and breathing the gospel in the situation that they're in. Uh, it just comes out as a, you know, I know this feels like a hopeless situation, but there is hope. And let me tell you about the hope. Um, pray for uh, the, the clarity of the communication in that message in a time that is so um, upsetting right now. Obviously, they are patriots. They they love their country. They don't want to see it collapse. They also can't see it continuing the way it is. So pray for that to end. Um, we don't know how this is going to, we don't know how God answers these, these prayer needs when we say, pray for the unrest to end. Uh, sometimes it gets more difficult before it gets better. And the believers in Myanmar are aware that could be the possibility. So they're actually, they're also asking for strength to be able to handle the challenges that are coming and to be, mm. maintain their firmness in Jesus Christ. Mm. Father God, we come before you um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we bear up before you, our brothers and sisters around the world. Um, today, we focus our attention on our brothers and sisters in Myanmar and Nigeria and the Central African Republic. But God, we know that you have accounted for each and every one, the hair on every head around uh, the entire globe. And so, uh, hold people fast today, Father. Re- reach out the strength of your of your arm to defend the weak and the powerless, the lonely, the disconnected. Um, and Father, grant the power, grant the power of the Holy Spirit and every spiritual resource that's necessary for the accomplishing of your will through the church around the world today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ruth, as always, thanks so much. Thank you. I want to encourage you guys to visit missionnews.org. And yes, in answer to your question, DoorInternational.org is the ministry um, with and through deaf people around the world. DoorInternational.org. We'll be right back. Hey, just a reminder, if there's a resource that we're offering that you want on this program or any other, just text the word book and then you're going to get a bounce back. And that's the little form you have to fill out. You text us other stuff. Um, about wanting a book, and that doesn't really work. So text the word book to 877-933-2484. Fill out the little bounce back form that you'll get, and that is the way you get all signed up. Um, All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to check. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.